gonna press go here. Thank you for being willing and able and all, all of a sudden back in Berlin after uh, an adventure. You've just been on a short adventure. So would you tell me your name? I know your name, but what's your name? So my name is Rita. One of, yeah, my main name, I will say. Yeah. <laughs> do you have, uh, like being Italian, do you have middle names? No, I don't. No. I thought I so. mean, it can happen in my country of origin, but I don't have it. And so, yeah, I've had a short name. So you are from Italy. You're from outside. Are you from Padova? I am from the mainland of Venice. Ah. Mestre. It's called, yeah. And who's all from there of our friends? Everybody? I mean, yeah, many. Actually, some, many of our common friends are from the same region. Yeah. In case, in case, yeah, there are like some important friends uh, uh, and people in my life that I met uh, at the university in Venice, studying, studying um, visual and performing arts. So this is more or less, uh, uh, yeah, for sure, boss. So yeah. also known as Air Protection Office. And uh, Michele Servadio was also there. Marco. At the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is basically where we met. I mean, where I met uh, the people, Mapo as well, the respector was there. Of course. And, uh, Mapo? Yeah, sure. What the, about Mabe? Where does Mabe come in? No, Mabe is something like, uh, it's someone I met after and, and that was more related, I guess, to um, graffiti past of, uh, of these people. <clears throat> and in case I met them at the university because in case like also Michele and Enrico were knowing each other since before because they are from the same countryside area uh, over there, yeah. Which I've seen some photos of and it looks sparse and cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, there are also other people you, you, you don't know, uh, very good artists coming from the area. So I always wonder Mm. what's the what's it, yeah what's in in there you know what's like the there water, is for example a, a good friend of mine like good friend uh, especially from Enrico that also Michele knows very well actually we, uh, this is a Sherbert H is a, a painter um, he does also animation movies and uh, like very interesting person who's living in um, Estonia since many years and he's from there as well, or musicians and uh, I don't know, the first times I was, um, uh, I was spending time in the, in the area was actually interesting because from one side there is like nothing but uh, mm. fields mm -hmm. and you know, and yeah, houses, but a lot of fields and uh, but for sure it has been also a nice environment for, uh, for art to, to grow. Because there's time and space and it's not too busy and there's... I guess. I mean, I guess cold. because in case uh, some people develop uh, creative uh, survival uh, yeah. uh, strategies, uh, you know, to react not only on the fact that uh, 
that say we say there is nothing in the way that uh, there is no big industrialization or shops or whatever or you know clouds uh, but in case there is a lot of nature this is a law from the other side is something is is a, is for sure an environment where you feel the pressure of for example religion yeah a lot and this is something that influenced the, the works of all of them <laughs> in different ways but uh, you you can see it uh, for sure you can see it in the work of Sherbet H that now I, I will I will show you your work uh, later Enrico also Michael as well maybe not not now you know not uh, in the in the in, but uh, in the in the early works, uh, this uh, reaction also to 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 that was definitely visible. And, yeah, even the iconography of sure what you're growing up. Sure, when you saw you know like one thousand Madonnas and stuff <laughs> like this in your life, obviously this is coming back uh, somehow yeah. in the way you prefer. <laughs> and so we're back in Berlin, which is had been your home until recently. Yeah. How many years did you live here? Like eight or ten or ten. Ten. And then it was time to go. Yes, I left uh, Berlin at the end of uh, 2020. So yeah, pandemic year here, and then in December I left home. <laughs> yeah, to another home. Yeah. Which is, you're really drawn to the south, of like Sicily area. Uh, but first, uh, when I left Berlin, I went back to my hometown, so close to Venice. And then I spent uh, six months there. Working with your dad? Yeah, with a painter of the houses. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then I went to the other, uh, I spent uh, six more months in, in Sicily, which is another. Uh, very important island of my life, I would say. I'm, I'm wondering a lot about islands <laughs> lately. So, for example, Venice for sure is an island. Yeah. We know that. Sicily is an island as well. Bigger. Uh, there are some similarities between the two of them, uh, even if uh, somehow they, they are also very different, okay? Because it's northeast and southwest. It's also... It couldn't be different. Yeah, yeah, more different than... Different history, different like influences. Uh, uh, but what I was wondering a lot lately is that Berlin is an island as well. I mean, also... Yeah, historically. <laughs> historically. In particular. Yeah, definitely. You know, like Segregated. Uh, West Berlin was an island. And somehow, I think this aspect still is, uh, is in the city, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, yeah, but well, there is also a border. I mean, Berlin is a state, is one. Yep. Federal, yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so interesting in many, many ways. So, like, so how you touched on so many things I'm looking forward to talking about. So, having left Berlin, you had already been drawn to Sicily because you went and did a essentially a philanthropic week with dear friends a few summers ago, maybe now four summers ago and put on a festival for the town of Palermo and the kids in it, which I came to. Cava. Cava. And in, did you use Cava in the Italian way or in the, in the Cava in the Spanish way? Cava is a name that came out just like this, out of an astral trip, I must confess. I, like I was... A, and then I I checked uh, what was the meaning because it's always a good idea to, it was to do it. Uh, no? Yeah. Yeah. 
K A. Oh, it was K, wasn't K- it? K A V A. Yeah. Yeah, with K. Oh, shit, I thought yeah, it was yeah, with yeah. a C. No, 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 with K. And uh, but I, I then I research on the internet uh, what's the meaning of the word in other languages because sometimes you know you pick up a title but in case it's always good to check out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, so I, cava uh, is a plant that actually is also a good uh, drug used in South America to treat anxiety. And mm. that was sounding very interesting actually for me because cava was a project that was really related to creating a, a safe space, safe space in terms of not too much pressure for strong artistical identities, let's say. I would say, uh, like sort of oasis, like mm-hmm. uh, on like an island, like an <laughs> island again. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to talk about about Kava. It was so special. <laughs> and uh, last thing, Kava means coffee in Polish. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Which is also a culture I'm, I'm very curious about, and it always comes back to me. And Kava uh, means coffee also in in Polish. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> and. You and I worked together during Universe, that last yeah. big run of of garments. And uh, we sat in the kitchen in the other room here at the studio and, and made that happen. It was so pivotal for me to see it through your eyes in in the very, like, I had this approach, you had this approach. And we were able, like, in the way of, like, how to, how to make it and why. The mm-hmm. why in particular. Yeah. You know, like, what's the purpose? And uh, how to make it special... I still wasn't there yet. I think maybe I'm there now. A couple, a number of years later, how it's simplified and whittled down. You know, it's not necessarily about probability designing in a way that I anticipate what people are going to like. It's really about the complete flip side of that, which is designing what really comes from me and there just being one of them instead of, I don't know how many things we made. You know, we made a dozen or 14 things or something. <clears throat> I still have lots of it. <laughs> and also follow, yeah, well, the, the, the process uh, that uh, happened completely, like in uh, mean, Kreuzberg, happen. like in Neukölln Kreuzberg. Yeah, I rode everything on my bicycle from one yeah. place to the other. And, <laughs> and it was good to like do that last... Every line has looked so different, and that was one that I felt the most connected to because it was so simple, and it, like the politics were behind it, the uh, expression of gender was behind it, and it was also much more of a blank canvas. Yeah. Um, and this is how you ended up, you you decided to save all of that money and rent an entire house pretty much in the center of Palermo. And you managed to find a house that used to be Nick Cave's wife's house <laughs> yeah, this is... and put on a festival in it. And it had its own little hof, like it was so special and so, it was just really intense. There's just a lot of energy going on there. There was... Also something that, I mean, I started with the Kava in summer 2017. The idea. Yeah. And I went also to Palermo. I found a place uh, in November. And then there was also the time, more or less, I started collaborating like here. And uh, I I have like... Here with me. Here in universe. And that was also a nice winter because somehow as a... Nonny McBoiter will say I was pregnant and not I mean not pregnant of like a human but I was pregnant uh, in more like from an artistical like a creative p- 
point of view. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, at the same time, I was also already working as housekeeper, uh, which was also connected to the to the idea of Kava. Uh, and then I kept uh, like uh, yeah working on 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 that again that winter was nice you know i remember it was warm we were like uh, we could enjoy like uh, creating that collection and it was also inspiring to that was very inspiring when we were here to um to see you practicing no violent co communication oh, yeah. when collaborating which is something that it was not exactly something i knew before you know <laughs> because <laughs> I also, I'm also a very big fan of uh, releasing emotions or, you know, also be yourself even in professional, like work environments, yeah. but uh, I learned a lot from that. And for sure, that was also something I brought with me then uh, in, uh, in Palermo. Um, it's a long story that that thing of Cava still, I have very nice material, documentation material of that. From time to time, I opened the folder and watched the videos and still I'm not ready to edit the documentary that I said I would have edited and presented because there is something I want to talk about and still I know I'm not ready. Also now, after the pandemic, it's interesting that when I watch those images, when I see those images, they have a completely different feelings because now we are not used anymore to see so many people with their face uncovered in a space. <laughs> also, you know, I mean, yeah, many things. And one day I, I will tell more about this story for sure. Living collectively is something that you are very comfortable in doing and you've done it in different places, but you've also been tend to read it in a big way, living pretty much most half the time of your living in Berlin was alone, right? And you'd always have, like, you know, it'd be your home, you wouldn't, and you would have people when the Italian friends from London Yeah, both like roommates sharing the space. And then, yeah, people visiting as, as it always is when you, when you live in a big city and in case you are the, the, first, the first after, like before many friends move in there or in case, you know, as I was living in Berlin and uh, having friends uh, visiting and staying in my place, uh, the same friends living in London or in Paris or in Barcelona, they were having the same experiences in their... Uh, Certainly. In, in, yeah. In their... But in... the Tante thing was born because in one of the times that uh, Bru, uh, so Alberto Brunello and Michele Servadio were, were coming to Berlin to guests to work and obviously they, like, they, they, they could stay there. And they were working here? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was preparing some uh, ragu, which is this uh, uh, like sauce for uh, pasta uh, with meat, actually. Now I will not do it anymore. But uh, properly for them, you know, that was in the freezer. So it was ready, this kind uh. of like <laughs> care. And, and it was, yeah, I guess it was Michele saying, okay, tante now, like zia. <laughs> but I don't like it, actually. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to, I mean, I will always be a Dante, okay? And at the same time... Uh, Which means aunt. Yes. <laughs> uh, somehow now I'm exploring other sides of my, of my identity, which in case are also much more uh, individual. And it's not that I don't believe in community anymore, but after 
with this new year, this 2022, I'm shifting a little bit. I'm, we, it's nice, I guess. It's always nice to explore other other sides of things. And I don't want to be focused. I mean, again, I believe in collectivities, I would say, collective identities. Maybe I don't, I also want to stop for a moment to, to use the word community. Yeah. And, um, and also I want to, still is something I believe on. Want to give my energy in many ways. Mm. I do it. I, uh, I don't want to be too naive anymore. Too, too positive. I mean, I want to be always ready to face what are also the very bad aspects of uh, uh, collective identities and dynamics, and also facing the fact that I think we are in this time we are very polluted humans and even when we try hard to work on ourselves and try to be better in case uh, there are a lot of work to do you know <laughs> a lot of side effects yeah and uh, yeah so yeah well you are also a libra no i'm uh pieces i'm uh, actually i are turn you? 34 soon next then. saturday yeah pisces season is next why did I think you were a Libra? Well, I guess it's because you are the opposite sign to me, so we get along really easy. <laughs> I get along with w- earth and water signs. Okay. And I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know much about... I mean, I read about astrology because I don't know much. I have uh, all to learn. And <laughs> <laughs> so then you, to double back to Palermo, you ended up getting a, a essentially new best companion one of the times you were in Palermo for a while, you got this creature that's lying on the carpet right now. Puka. Well, um, Who's Puka, no the dog, uh, I met Puka in the south of Sicily. So not in Palermo, I met him, uh, uh, yes, <laughs> in the countryside. At the, at the camping? At, the, at this camping, yes. And uh, Puka is a street dog that got abandoned very early. It was uh, three months. And uh, he came to me. Like, that was a very nice experience. Like, you see this creature jumping. He was also very happy, you know. So sometimes, obviously, street dogs, it's possible they, they, they got, like... A, bad experiences or a lot of violence so in case you, you, you meet them and they are scared or uh, yeah. uh, traumatized. Uh, Puka was actually quite fine and, and happy. And the nice thing is he pointed me, like he came to me. And, and me, I, had, I hadn't had so much contacts in my life with animals. I mean, I did, but not, not that close contact. And so at first it was strange, then I, I, yeah, I wanted to like share like my life yeah. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with Puka and uh, he came to me, he came with me to Berlin. And I wonder how many times, because when I used to live in the studio, I've had uh, overnight guests a few times or even for, for, I don't remember the longest time Puka stayed, but I love that Puka, I feel like remembers where he is when he's here because yeah. he he lived here with me a few times no, for sure sure i mean puka has this thing that sometimes it takes him like a little time to recognize humans even if like he's 
his eyes don't 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 work very well. And then at one point, when he gets closer, then he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's you." So, <laughs> so why do you think just, just the connection with Italy and England? Like, what is it about British? Is it British culture? Is it the fact that London is so big that you can, for that matter, that there's been a a large stronghold of like Italian artists and. Like London's been like the pinnacle of what maybe what one might consider success or even like <clears throat> influence, you know, like how one can the access to creativity and and being able to go to all the art galleries for free. Like, why is it that that the British folks? I don't know. There's like such a huge my, most of my friends in Ital- in England in London are British or um, Italian. What's the? But this is just your perspective. Because basically, I could say that um, you can find Italians all over <laughs> in Europe, and uh, our generations also had uh, definitely the the urgency and also the possibility slash privilege to do it. You know, uh, to 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 go abroad. It's something that in Europe, I would say, started uh, maybe. Um, like yeah, I'm almost thirty four. I would say that there are people that uh, um, maybe are even like ten years older than me, even older, that uh, started moving around Europe uh, with the university. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in our case, so like for me, Rico again, Michele, Mapo. For example, Michele and Mapo. I, I if I remember. Well, the story about London is really something like, I want to leave Italy, let's check online what's like the cheapest flight now, something like this. And, and then it was London, you know, but in case maybe they would have ended up in Barcelona or Paris if, if things would have been just different on, on that screen at that time. Uh, for me, uh, when I was quite young, I worked as waitress in Paris and then uh, I also visited London when I was 20 because my cousin was living there in Brick Lane, so the, ah. you know, the, the, not, not far away from Hackney. Um, and then I came to Berlin with a good friend of mine just for one week. And me, I really felt in love in, in Berlin. I, I, I felt it all. And, and at that point, I was already at the university. I, rem- I remember, oh, yeah, this is a nice story. I remember asking Michele, who was starting tattooing, to tattoo me on my leg. I, wanted, I had a, a specific uh, uh, image, which was two circles, one inside the other. And Michele looked at me and said, hey, no, circles, I'm not good yet, you know, I'm not good, I'm not good enough to do that. I was like, okay, ciao. And then I was in Berlin that summer and I got tattooed in a studio around, uh, he, I got tattooed in a place close to KitKat, I, I discovered much later. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I came back to Italy with my brand new tattoo. <laughs> that Michele was not able to do it at the time. <laughs> no, it is a pretty high, <laughs> high risk for doing, doing an oval instead no, of. No, yeah, was it so? Probably it just, maybe you he, he could, you know. It was just it just started and, uh, uh, 
yeah, it's just funny sometimes when you know you 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 see people growing and you think on these small stories that actually I mean it's it's not that important but the, it's funny and uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I didn't ask beforehand but like can we talk about ropes? Yes. And can we talk about um what you kind of talked about like for it, for that matter like relations love kind of like kink poly stuff Definitely. and um and even like monday nights yes cool i feel like those things really interweave quite a lot because so much of it has to do with the body yeah the body the spirit the mind together yeah so how did you find ropes or did ropes find you or how did you start exploring so I found ropes. The first performance of bondage I saw was at the Porn Film Festival in Berlin some years ago. Yeah, man, not many, but I would say, I don't know, maybe six, five years ago. Uh, and it was a performance of uh, Christina Marlene, who's very interesting and uh, important sex worker in, uh, in Germany. Like her work is, yeah. Uh, she's also law, like into therapeutic treatment basically and yeah. like uh, and for me it was like wow what's this and it's not that obviously it's not that I never saw a picture of image or yeah. something you know of uh, bondage or it, yeah. Japanese bondage uh, she's also practicing something that I suppose is more mixed uh, uh, she, she's not practicing traditional Japanese bondage but it doesn't matter uh, but that was really, wow, uh, I liked it a lot. And then, uh, and then I just had uh, random experiences with, even, I would say, random people. Sure. Uh, uh, Were they Polish? <laughs> and uh, mm, also unsafe, I would say, you know? As far as unsafe. knowledge or actual physical safety? Physical, psychological, unsafety, in case uh, mixing, mixing BDSM with drugs. <coughs> hey, Puka. Sorry. It doesn't like you mix it. It, it, it doesn't agree with the fact of mixing BDSM no. with drugs. He understands know? boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> it's obviously something that people do, especially maybe at the beginning, if they... Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's not a good idea at all. Uh, then I end up getting in touch with other contexts in Berlin, uh, took uh, different workshops uh, with Tamando Kimbaku and then uh, also was, uh, uh, was going quite a bit at the Bondage Rope Jam in Wedding, mm-hmm. close to yeah, Wedding Station. And that, like, uh, that was a very nice experience because in that lab, uh, Tuesday evening uh, for the, I guess I was there at least one year, even longer. I could not only practice and get in touch uh, properly with, with this practice, but also with the uh, many uh, different ways people in the West can look at it and have different interpretations. So I was also attending workshops with uh, Discover Kimbaku. They, for example, practice really, like they really focus on the on uh, traditional Japanese bondage, Naka style especially, which is one of the schools that are practiced in, uh, in Japan. 
but uh, I saw amazing suspensions of Xana in there. I saw many people that are also, let's say, big and important in the scene, and also normal people practicing. It was a, a space, uh, obviously, with uh, also its own contradictions or, uh, you know, things, but I felt, uh, I felt always quite safe in there. Mm. Yeah, again. Mm. And then at one point I started practicing with uh, Gracie Neko and uh, they are, they have been the, the only one human I, I, I practice it like properly and for some time and we had a very, uh, we had, had a very, very interesting conversation, it's, it's very nice ropes uh, between us. <clears throat> and sexuality in the beginning was mixed in with ropes but then you found more of like a spiritual connection to ropes ropes is a tool of communication can be a a tool of communication with yourself yeah because you can also self-tie yourself so yeah you can also self-tie or uh, or it's a tool of communication with someone else uh it is uh, basically, I would say more that the ropes uh, help me questioning and try to understand what's sex and what's what do we mm. consider sex and what's a sexual energy. Uh, in case, uh, yes, for sure, I always mix it a lot. For example, with this person I was mentioning, Gracie Neko, what uh, we both like of our of us practice, practicing rope is uh, ropes is that uh, somehow I could say it's very asexual so it's not uh, often it makes me feel more like kids playing and uh, and it has been for us a very a very sweet and safe space because uh, they were um, Okay, I was I was uh, adding an information about their life. Maybe I will not mention because I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I had the, the consent to do it. Me, like from my side at the time, uh, I was having a lot of sex uh, in in the way. Sometimes also very toxic, and uh, and so for me that was uh, a little safe space with this other person. And uh, uh, we also liked a lot to, to practice outside, uh, making suspensions uh, on trees uh, or uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. And how was it that you found recovery? It was time to go be in group in a different type of group dynamic where um, I go, and that we ended up hanging out even more on. Yeah, in sure. A, in we had a really long phase of being. You're asking me a little bit there. The, the two punks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess because I don't have the best memory. I mean, but, we don't rescue people, but you no. need a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of wonder, like, I feel like maybe you hit a bit of a bottom. Totally. And then it was, I don't know, is it, did you notice that maybe it was by example or was it by just... No, it was that it was a final urgency for me. Yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> I prefer in general to use the word... Self work, sure, and 
and I, I have to say like the idea of self-work and spirituality has always been uh, in my life since I was very young because my mom studied psychology at the university even if she didn't finish and also she was always uh, like she was practicing yoga my grandmother was, was actually practicing yoga or uh, we always went to not very conventional uh, doctors and uh, healers so that was part of my life since i was very young which is also the reason why probably at one point i decided or i ended up having a very very uh, rational attitude towards life you know probably to say no i don't want to do that freaky hippie thing my mom was like suggesting to me uh, I would be very rational, you know. <laughs> that sounds very German to me. <laughs> then things obviously like change, you know, fortunately. Uh, at one point I had to face the self-work again and also in this case we can also talk also about recovery because I was not able at standing. I was really, yeah. I was weak, I was not in shape. I was constantly finding new ways to destroy myself, basically, not only with, uh, with drugs, but especially with people and emotionally, emotional yep. overloading. That intoxication, yeah. And that, uh, like, uh, first I was doing like a short-term therapy with uh, an Italian therapist in here in Berlin, yeah. like a um, proper like, sort of uh, yeah, psychologist. Uh, and then I felt bad again. I was, uh, but not, not bec- like because probably it was not enough. It was just the beginning of me opening to something new for, yeah. for me. And then at one point I came with you. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember I was in Croatia and, and feeling better after, after like a mess. <laughs> and then writing to you, when I'm back in Berlin, I will come to that place you told me about. <laughs> And that was very interesting for me from many points of view. I, I like, uh, I'm also very, um, I would say I'm also very critical somehow with the program sure. because probably it reminds me somehow of something more related to what I experienced uh, in Italy related to religion, to some contents, which is, you know, also fine actually, but it was a very, very good experience. And, uh, and it tell me practicing discipline, you know, like uh, also as other things uh, like yoga or yeah, to, to, to have a place you can go on Monday. Monday is also a special day in Berlin if you're not managing to be sober. So it was also good to go in a place where I knew that uh, at least I wanted to respect the fact other people were sober. It was also the place where I was seeing with my eyes the sober people in Berlin eh? <laughs> because <laughs> it's not something I mean me still I'm not like uh, I'm a person who's mostly sober I would say and I believe in this I'm okay with this but um, it was still very good you know <laughs> then a circle of people sharing things uh, is also just is also special it's amazing uh, it's interesting the m- the mix of cultures you can see there it's interesting this is also something before that i was having the experience of this uh, four months therapy with uh, with this uh, italian uh, uh, therapist 
uh, and that was also very like uh, super good group therapy helped me also understanding that self-work is up to you so and that uh, it's good to have uh, people guiding you in life in general okay where a good guide or, or a teacher can also be someone who's sitting on the street and nobody thinks this person has something to say, but in case it's possible, this person has something to say. So you can have teachers and guides, but in case it's really up to you. And the group therapy is interesting because of this, because there is no authority. Before going there, I was like, how is it possible that there is no expert sitting there and saying, you know? Then there are experts in the way that uh, people who have more experience, like you, for example, obviously, like you help each other or you, they can be an example, like they can be a model to see that, in fact, if someone is talking about like progress or uh, something that is lasting for years, then maybe you're like, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, self-perpetuated anarchy, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's so much like a squat, you know? In Berlin, yeah, yeah. because also... Yeah, there is a book and there are rules, but uh, yeah. there is also always, a, I mean, yeah, books are always written by humans. Yeah, who are, who are Now, actually, we will have also books written by machines, or te- already we have articles and texts written by machines. Uh, yeah, books are written by humans and uh, rules as well. Yeah. And so I believe in also in structures and rules and discipline, but in case it's also always good to remember that uh, it's also good not to respect them sometimes. <laughs> totally. Even just the inverted triangle model of it, that it's for the group and it trickles down to the governing body, yeah. which is the smallest yeah. and has, the, has no power. The governing body has n- not a stitch of power over anybody that's involved in doing that work for themselves. Because like you said, we just put ourselves first and we end up doing it in a group setting. And I found that to be ultra powerful. Like I, I went this morning. It was amazing. I was self-isolating at home in the last 10 days or whatever. Yeah. And, and was finally able to get to a meeting. And it was like taking medicine it was so sure. good but i was like i really felt the lack you know i was like oh geez like uh, it's gonna take a couple more you know come by saturday but like okay like whew, okay okay you know like i i'm not full of like uh unexpressed um shared then you know I, quality yeah yeah, I, I always respected a lot that this practice is so important for you. And I, I know your involvement also, like, yeah, it's I really respect good. it a lot. Me, like, it was a very powerful experience. I, I spent one year in there. Yeah, and you Then were... at one point I realized I was kind of organizing sort of opposition movement inside the place. And I decided to leave because I was too... <laughs> so, you left in such a great way. You, you like made a speech. You're like, you know what? <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> We're out. Sometimes I need some drama. I don't know if it's my culture of origin or whatever. No, but I need great. some drama or slamming a door to say, this is the end, <laughs> you know? I think also, it, yeah. yeah, I think it's... Uh, this is something, for example, I learned by someone who has been a partner of my mom for some years. This person was already Buddhist at the time. I was a teenager. 
And with, with him, we were always laughing a lot because he was telling me, you know, I am for, I'm definitely for a polytheistic approach. So he, sometimes he was making workshops with kind of uh, alternative Catholics uh, people, you know, then he was also, he was Buddhist, uh, or, uh, but in fact, he was working for MTV, actually. Like, uh, <laughs> it was a bunch of, you know, things. Uh, yeah. And this is something that I, I'm grateful, like, uh, like, I learned from him because uh, this is also something I like for myself. Like, uh, it's good to focus on things. For me, it's also good to be kind of nomad, not only geographically, but to change situations and to enjoy the fact that everything is temporary. Everything. And, Every feeling. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, we are all different. So, in fact, if we talk about self-work... Uh, uh, I don't know if I can mention this person, uh, but uh, I, I will anyway, uh, because it's out of respect. Then after that experience, uh, I started another process uh, uh, related to self-work, not only uh, because of urgency, but, but also because then at one point, uh, the whole spiritual aspect of human life became something very interesting to me. Uh, this person is Noema Kali. And I, and then with her, I, I, uh, I get to know a completely different approach, which is very unconscious, which is very, like, uh, very interesting, that fits, like, uh, particularly with, with my identity. Uh, yeah, I wanted to mention it. As yeah, a, like, yeah. In, uh, in the, it's a say, part of the puzzle. Yeah, definitely. It's funny, not funny, but we've never met. I imagine it'll happen and we'll just happen on the road, just like... You're like, you've invited me for years to come to yoga and I was, I guess I was just at a meeting each time yeah. or something. I just never was able to, it didn't yet feel right. And I think it's because I get the sense of how powerful this person is. And so I need to be ready. Also, I think in life, uh, for example, ah, yeah, this is also someone I want to mention. Who's someone who's not, uh, like, let's say he's not, he's not someone that has a public uh, identity nor practice uh, his uh, spiritual powers in, in a specific channel, but uh, he's a person that tells me a lot. Um, we have been lovers and friends. For example, with this person, we lived in the same kids for years, same uh, area in Berlin for years, at least, I guess, seven years or so. He's coming from the, my hometown and he's like 10 years older than me, but in case we're also connected to the same uh, scene or uh, common yeah. friends. We never met. And we didn't meet till uh, three, four years ago. At one point we met. Actually, our dogs met first and then uh. we met after this. And, uh, and this is someone very special that probably I met at one point because that was meant to be. Yeah, of course. The best, and, the best type. Yeah, and, and I want to mention this person because even if uh, it was not officially a guide for me in my spiritual process, in, he has been very helpful. Like, he's someone I shared a lot and uh, I'm very grateful to this person even if, you know, like, uh, it's not his job or, uh, yeah, I don't even know if he knows. <laughs> there are sometimes unconscious <laughs> healers, you know, that you find on your path. And uh, that's, that's okay. <laughs> it's amazing. That's how I feel about my friendships. You know, the ones that feel balanced that my body says yes. Because the ones that say no, those are also important teachers. But they're the ones that I, you know, 
I've worked really hard to be uh, ready to have healthy boundaries with these people, you know, not to just be like an open door uh, or a doormat for that matter. <clears throat> so uh, language for me is so interesting because, you know, I just grew up speaking English and a bit of French because growing up in Canada, because mm-hmm. in Canada, every sign's in French as well and ah, sure. every product. So if you're a kid... I never thought, yeah, you, you speak a little bit French. I mean, you, know, you like sitting there eating cereal as a kid and one side of the box is English and you turn it around and it's French. And so I'd, you just kind of by proxy sort of pick up French, kind mm-hmm. of, kind mm-hmm. of. You know, you're also taught it in school for until a certain age. But then they said, they said to us it was like grade eight or something. They're like, well, you can take French or you can take art. And I was like, well, I can... I mean, that's just no, that's what's easiest as a kid. I was like, what's easiest? You know, I'd, what can I be more fucked up and high after lunch? You know, I was like, art, you know, very easy, you know, enjoyable even. Like, you don't study in that grade level. There's no studying, it's just doing. And that was the way that I got through life is just so much doing, not enough sitting with and like integrating things. So, language is so interesting because you moved here with very little English mm-hmm. yeah and maybe also the same amount of German like just zero German but French I mean I was speaking oh, French yeah. because I studied French at school and in case I was having this uh, summer work experience in this uh, Sicilian restaurant in Paris when I was 18 so that had me a lot learning properly like speaking French also Italian and French if you study a little bit the grammar is actually kind of like two languages that, uh, yeah, French can be easy to learn for Italian-speaking people. Then, yeah, I moved to Berlin. My English was very bad. And in case I started straight away to to go to school to learn German, for Volkshochschule. Straight up, the whole, the bang, I was bang, bang. Yeah, I was, just, you know, I was 23, was young. I also started working at the same time, but it was also... Was it in the print shop? Have you, did you always work at the Zipdruck? No, 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 not yet. No, I was babysitting when I started here. When I arrived here, first job, after, yeah, after one month I was here, was babysitting. Um, For German people or? No, it was an Italian family. Yeah. Because the idea was I don't want to, I don't want to go in an Italian restaurant to work, but still I don't have any language that I can offer. So I, yeah, I found this family actually two, two, fa- two Italian families uh, and that was also a very special uh, story and experience um, so yeah I and then I learned German and in the first year I was learning German I also learned English <laughs> because I didn't that's so impressive I did well I mean everybody can do you know like actually I was supposed to I moved to Berlin with 23. Young people now with 23, they already speak English very well, okay? It's just that my generation and my laziness sometimes, or me maybe preferring French than English, brought me with 23 in Berlin not being very able to speak English. Both you and Boss had the same amount of English? Yes, and he was even shy, so it was always me speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, did you, do you think you used more English when you got here than you did anything? Like when you didn't know German, you just used English, mm-hmm. the amount of English sure. that you knew. Sure. And that's common and that, that 
you can what, at what point did you meet those those like walls where you're like oh fuck <clears throat> just all the bureaucracy and stuff like that the bureaucracy and also that you didn't really have to do much maybe because you were at the beginning citizen well well but you still have to make papers i mean yes everything is much easier than people coming from outside europe like you're not having to get a work visa so yeah but um other than that you have to, but do still you have to go to offices and and make stuff uh, contracts i remember, Ooh, the German ah, contract. I remember one one interesting word i learned in german at one point was Freizügigkeit Bescheinigung. yeah which is something that you know i need i i <laughs> quite long uh, and this is a document that uh, declare that uh, you are free to move in Europe because you are European. So it's kind of repeating something that in case it's clear from your idea already. It's bureaucracy, who cares? No, for me, German became uh, uh, kind of more pressure when after one year working as babysitter and also like I was working in, a, uh, was doing this internship in an art gallery uh other things uh, uh then at one point uh, it was really too much somehow and i left the gallery and i decided to work in a bar because when you yeah what i realize is when you're foreign you are kid again like you don't have the tools that you have as adult uh, not only to communicate but also to present yourself as you think you are and uh, it was everything too complicated at that point, you know, this actually, this also art gallery experience was nice. I mean, I, um, but it was too much. So I, I found a job in the Annolle, which was also a very important experience for me because it was in Schoneberg. So I was a little baby Berliner in uh, the gay area close to Mottstrasse and all the fetish uh, shops, you know, that was something for me kind of. Uh, now we are talking about years before then, uh, you know, I saw Rob's performances or I went to clubs and it was very beginning. And in that I, I had the, the urgency of, of, being, of learning German properly because everybody was German around me. Uh, the clients, everybody. Yeah, over there, in yeah. that over there, like everybody, there was also... Well, there's a bit of tourism, but... A nice group of neighbors, uh, like Berliners, like German people who moved to Berlin probably in the 80s and, uh, and they got kids. And so it was a nice environment. And my boss over there, yeah, I wanna, I wanna mention her, uh, Tekla. Tekla has been a very important person and Tante in my life. Mm-hmm. She helped me a lot. She, yeah, she was very passionate. And she also taught me German somehow by working together in this cafe. Yeah. And so how did you find your way into maybe nightlife? Like in the way of, was KitKat the first public sex venue or were you... In terms of sex clubs, yes. Mostly gigging. Yeah. Uh, and I was having a good time, especially because it was still the time there was a drone floor. So the industrial uh, music floor of, uh, of gigging. Um, Where was that? In the little mini basement thing? Not the little, little, but the smaller room close to the bigger room. Way kind of in the back on the side. See, yeah. I mean, nightlife is something that uh, before for me was more related to illegal rape parties in, in Italy. 
when I was younger. Small, small ones in my, more or less in my region, you know, industrial areas and so. Then when I came to Berlin, I was also enjoying a lot of bigger clubs uh, and uh, I was in a relationship with someone who was like a techno producer and uh, but uh, so we were also enjoying a lot. Uh, Is this boss? Yeah. yeah. So air protection office and, uh, and, and, and yeah, it was also a time I was enjoying a lot uh, to check uh, noise gigs. Actually, also the noise scene in Berlin has always been very interesting. Wasn't your first time at my house? Well, we, we didn't know each other, but yes, Lupol was for sure a place, but I was enjoying a lot also Lauschangriff in Friedrichshain, or, or there was Enka, Enka in Treptow, which was this squatted place, uh, I, I suppose a squat, or at least I mean nice. Uh, a nice space with very very interesting uh, noise uh, gigs and uh, um, and then uh, uh, yeah some friends uh, did their um, coming out as we yeah they, they were uh, I mean finally and so it's one of them was also working with me in this cafe in Schoneberg yeah and so at that point we were like, uh, we are gay, yes! And we were going to Bergen and we were going to explore all uh, like the, the places that were uh, important for like, you know, for uh, what uh, they, as we were becoming, yeah. we didn't know. <laughs> so your quality of life must have completely risen, like, cause you have such a great, ability I think for language but also like your German is great and it's you have like the version of German you speak on the street but you also have the Beamte German yeah and also the and you, you really needed a Beamte thing, thing with the house that was a, a major project for a while you really had to yeah keep the T's crossed and the I's dotted and like <laughs> all that yeah we would talk we would talk about this but uh in some years. Yeah. Yeah, I think like, uh, yeah, but this is, a, this is something I realized when I, go, when I went back to Italy at the end of 2020. And then I had to manage obviously some bureaucracy over there because it's like a software, like you, you uninstall something and then you have to install again something somewhere else, you know, it's like bureaucracy is a software at, at the end. Um, I realized that my relationship, my language relation with the state is in German. <laughs> I don't know what does it mean, but I found it interesting. I will think more about this. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, like, and that, so even being, uh, yeah, a European living in, in Berlin, my, my culture, my language of origin is Italian. And, uh, and so I guess Italian has always been also the language of, uh, family, little community, you know, friends, uh, and, uh, um, English is more public life language and the uh, Europe language, even if, yeah, I do speak English, but uh, not really. Sometimes, unfortunately, when I speak with British people, I understand I don't really understand. <laughs> I mean, with you? What about Canadians? But maybe I go, I go, I go used with, uh, I go used to speak with you, so I understand you. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, I practice English so much with people who are not uh, really speaking 
proper English that, uh, for example, <laughs> you know, an Italian person or a Spanish person speaking together in English, they will understand each other. It doesn't mean they speak English at the, the, the moment, you know. But yeah, who cares? And, and then, yeah, I was thinking, you know, the relation, my relation with the state, the language of my relation with the state is German. Who knows what, yeah. Due diligence, you know, <laughs> and like that, that haftung, this like how oppressive and important it is to do it right. Because if you do it wrong, it just, just takes so much more effort mm-hmm. and it just, and then it, the whole process, you just start over again. It's ridiculous. Not that it's ridiculous, but it's very specific. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about the next journey because you've kind of gotten yourself mobile you've kind of been free of of living in a particular place and you you're just kind of entertaining welcoming the next yeah space to be in city or project or because like silkscreen has been a really big thing for you and i just wanted that's why i kind of want to touch on that like where you'd land and what's going to maybe what's maybe the most interesting thing that's going to have you drawn and stayed in the next place because like because we have great talks about art and your your history with art history and um being able to be someone who can help uh, like you're a really great facilitator as well you know um how the kind of punk thing mixes with the squeegee like the the kind of process of like of how I don't know, like a four screen process, like how, how does, hmm. I mean, screen print has been a very important discovery in my life, which happens, which happened here in Berlin, inside also a project that actually is very, yeah, it has been a cool, cool project. It's quite famous also in, um, famous, I mean, it's, it's well known in Germany. It was an open studio in Neukölln that moved to Kreuzberg, so it's still existing, it's Esteve Neukölln. Screen print was super interesting in my life because I was coming from digital art. Actually, I had uh, like uh, the whole years of university and then later till I, came, I arrived in, to, in Berlin, I was more uh, doing like uh, visuals with softwares, with uh, um, boss, we had uh, audiovisual projects. Uh, this band uh, called uh, Dirt, not in the, it, but Dirt like it means four in Turkish, not Dirt like uh, not clean. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then it was also like graphic design and web design, and so when I got in touch with screen print, which again happened that I was already. 25, like this, so not, uh, that was so nice, and, and because it was so material compared with what I was practicing before, and I must say that what brought me there was a friend suggesting the place, mentioning the place that, that was located close to AKA. Yeah, just on the road. And then for sure that at the time I was uh, with ECA Records, uh, the net label run by Ad Protection Office, P, uh, PRG3 is also his other project. Um, we were doing like uh, free download releases, but also paper packaging for CDs. And I was, I was into that, but I was working more with digital print. 
And then I visited Acne Week because obviously the London friends were coming to Berlin to work and then sometimes I was, we were also visiting them there. At the time it was, I guess, um, no, I don't remember the year, but uh, I, vi but yeah, I mean, Michele Servadio was tattooing in, uh, uh, at the studio Those Bad Days together with Mabe. Mm -hmm. So then I saw them, I saw me make a printing and that was definitely very inspiring. Uh, uh, and so I started related to, to, to print much more. Yeah, I must say like that, that visit was very inspiring for me. And, um, and how does tattoo line up with you? Because at this point you'd been tattooed as people do when they're young, but you started a relationship of getting tattooed by people that you know or that you really value, right? Like Michele and... Well, yes, sure. I mean... How different I, is that? Um, you mean to, to be... To, yeah, to be engaged in getting something permanent from someone that you, that you really value. It's a big luck. <laughs> I feel very lucky because I... Uh, yeah, I have to say like Michele, Michele's role and presence has been very important in my life in terms of considering myself a tattooed woman. Like I, I can describe myself in many ways. Definitely, I am a tattooed woman. I've always been very fascinated also by tattooed women in circuses uh, uh, during the 19th century, like 20th century or so. And, uh, and I'm grateful to Michele because obviously he, sh he always shared his work with us, with friends. And, uh, and it was a pleasure also to, to, to saw him growing and, and throw him to get in touch with other uh, beautiful like artists like you, for example, and, uh, and then other people that, uh, uh, yeah, I, I managed to, to, to yeah, to... I mean, being tattooed by someone you know and you value, and in case you also have a friendship and personal layer of a, of connection, it's more powerful. It's yeah. more real. It doesn't mean everybody uh, can have the, the this experience. Again, for me, it's also out of luck and out of the fact that uh, I always spent my life uh, with artists especially musicians, but not only, uh, since I was a kid. So it's also my role, my, my way. Um, yeah, it's much more intense experience, I would say. Have you tattooed then? I did, I mean, on myself. Just only? No one else got anything from me? Well, I guess, yes, maybe. <laughs> Well, for sure, Mike, I tattooed Mike once, me and Enrico, little, like, things, and, and Enrico, I guess, but not really, no, I, mm, I tattooed myself, hand quote, that's the only, and, and, you know, like, lately I was really, after you tattooed me, I was going to say, how do you feel about the... What it, the experience of having someone do it by hand and maybe the experience of someone doing it with a machine, that loud, crazy noise? Well, it's going... 
Because I've tattooed you with a machine and, yes, and um, on your sternum, and I think it was yeah, quite that, well, that was That was a powerful uh, experience. That was also a time my body was so much in pain, uh, filled with a lot of alcohol, and also I, I hadn't started yet releasing some main, uh, like opening some main black boxes, uh, let's say. So, yeah. it, you know, it changes things. I remember that was very intense, very interesting. And then there are the other tattoos I got from you before going to Ca- to Palermo for oh, Cava. Yeah. And that was already something else. Still, you were using the electric machine. Yeah, right. The spot is completely different because it's on the legs, because I was also in a completely different state of mind. and uh, Which is kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Where you're at. Yeah. And also where always, I'm at. You yeah, know? yeah, sure. I don't know if you've noticed... I wonder how much that influences your experience, like where I'm at. Because I've never really been able to ask regular, quote-unquote, clients, you know, how was that for you? Because I was feeling good today, you know, or whatever. Because yesterday, first tattoo after quite a while, after being in corona lockdown at home, I had just enough energy to get through it. Mm. Just, you know. And usually, in the last number of years, I had much more than needed because I knew I know how important capacity is for me. Because if if I'm giving to people from being fucking bankrupt, yeah, it's uh, super treacherous, and then they have that, let alone the image on their skin for the rest of their life, a pattern. They their body might remember how like that was just like kind of funny, you know, or like we didn't really connect, you know. We can't yeah. connect with everybody, but is that a part that you really enjoy the connection, like? Because you've been tattooed here a bunch by Michele, <laughs> Paul, me, yeah. who else? Paul, you, Michele, no, Bru, it oh, was yeah. not, no, Bru, it was not here. I was at home. Was at home with the light of the bicycle. <laughs> 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 and still he didn't, he hadn't started with patterns. Um, I always, I mean, I feel... I feel good in this space. I saw the space changing, but I always find the communication with you through tattooing very good. You know, you were also already, I would say, when we met, you were also already quite experienced as tattooer, you know, so this is also something. I have to say, I am happy we, uh, I got tattooed again and now yeah, uh, you you don't use the electric machine anymore. It's a perfect rhythm for you, you know. Like yeah. this is really the, uh, I mean, and in fact, it's great that when that machine got broken, you decide that that was maybe a little sign to say, okay, I can do it anyway. Even you know what's nice, you can tattoo even if we have no electricity. Yeah, you know, and sometimes we we really take give for granted electricity because it's main technology uh, <laughs> main 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 thing but uh, yeah uh, you can tattoo me also without yeah and like a stick and a yeah a bit of mud and I suppose for other works for example I don't imagine Paul tattooing handpot okay he's also still growing he will also grow a lot yes, I, yeah. I don't know if technically it's some, I mean everything is possible I don't imagine that <clears throat> style being like done that way in, in our days also 
uh, your work, I guess, is also the perfect rhythm. Uh, and that's a very, very, uh, you know, there is a tattooer I like a lot, Gus Wagner. Gus Wagner was like early, like was tattooing in 1901, 1902, something like this. He was the partner of uh, Maud Wagner and they were uh, working in a circus. And um, Gus Wagner, when the electric machine came out finally, uh, got invented and introduced in the tattoo world, he was skeptic and he never tattooed with the electric machine <laughs> because he was not liking it. He was an old school person and he didn't want to do that. And I think the story is so fascinating, you know. <laughs> Now we cannot even imagine there was someone skeptical because the machine got invented. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting to, just to, to think of the origins even of a machine and my small knowledge of it, but like the principle of it, you know, just an open, closed circuit, you know, that's just like, that's the basis of electricity. Like all it is, is a, it's just powering up these coils and making a closed system Open, close, open, close, open, close, and you just attach a needle to it, and boom. Did Michele ever give you a, a fun tattoo? Like, you know this woman I have on my shoulder with the, like, really curly hair? Which one? It's just, like, this really... It was at... In Hackney, and it was the, um... Like... Ah, that you have it... Uh, like yeah, the, yeah, see, see. The, um, you know, just, like, a RC motor of a little, like, a kind of remote-control car. So just like a little motor that's the size of like a really small battery mm-hmm. that has, you know, has a post on it and um, like a drive post. And then just a... Ah, yeah, th- that was the machine they built up with Enrico at one point. That is the same one that the guy using the... Usually is very common in the Russian prisons. Well, Michele does that. have one of those things. Those like see, see, see. shaver machines, just almost the easiest thing because you have this big thing you hang on to, you just literally attach a like a, a needle through a big pen and yeah. tape it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You're ready to go. I don't know. I don't have any. I don't, I don't, I didn't get tattooed with a, with a, uh, you, with a machine. You didn't get, uh, no, no, no. It was really so beautiful to be present. Like, I'm just like, it was when Michele was starting to woodcut and Michele was like, you should do a woodcut. And I was like, I don't, it's like, just, just try, like, just do it. You know, like, you know, just, I'm going to make a machine for you and we're going to do, they're going to bend a t- toothbrush in 90 degrees and, pull apart this machine, take a guitar string and sharpen a guitar string and then boom, you know? Mm-hmm. And by the time I'd like drawn the thing on thing and started to get into it, um, the woodcut, which is gnarly because the wood was hard and the, the fucking, the like, woodcut yeah, was very, thing. very fucking sharp. Like I, I definitely like, I, I wasn't careful, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you know? But it was good. I mean, it was just a nice environment. It's just exactly how it should have been, like how to learn. Michele, I've learned so many things from Michele, from Michele just being like, just do it like just like this or you know like don't worry about it just here's the things okay go you know yeah. and like, i yeah, mean i learned something. spontaneity from this this is the tool that i picked up from michele of anything it's just like you don't know you have it until you or could even do it until you just fucking do it and then he just like and all of a sudden there's this beautiful shape like kind of like a portrait on my arm just like boom done you know and i think um you know, this person has had so many different phases and like is never stuck in a zone. It's always like goes from here to here to here to here. And I don't think I necessarily do that. So I mean, I think my percep- my 
perspective of myself is skewed. I don't know. It's hard. I think it's really hard to see oneself necessarily, especially like with an artistic output. And I, I'm enjoying these things that are on the table, these like non-symmetrical pattern things that are not on people because it's now just a communication with myself okay. at home. When did you start to this? Mm, in Corona. Okay. Started painting uh, at Nika's house. Maybe I started painting at home and then I moved over to Nika's big studio and was making work that was three meters high because the ceilings are like four meters high there. I was on a ladder, which is so fun. And uh, it's so, so interesting to remove a person out of this scenario. It's just me trying to create a ritual with just me okay, and yes. work. Yeah, also because you are a tattoo artist who started from tattoos. <laughs> which is not super common actually you know because uh, uh, let's say you know there are people that start tattooing and uh, maybe they're coming from either illustration or uh, graphic design or in the case uh, <coughs> yeah, of Kelly for example there is a lot of uh, graffiti or painting before he started using uh, or Bru for example is more from uh, even yes was more like a musician or a yeah, graphic designer and you really started I came tattooing from, from tattoos. I came from hard drugs. <laughs> Don't say that. Re no, really. Like, yeah? It's something I've been thinking, like I've been, I listen and read and meditate and there's just so much input of like other people's and then I get to relate to it just like in a meeting, you know, for me, that's what I get so much nourishment from that and, and like trying to think of like, what is the, what's the origin of let alone creativity, and I know where that, I know what the feeling of creativity is, is where I've spent three hours in the morning, three to four hours with myself in spiritual practice, and then I go, if I end up here, which is a couple days a week, then I'm available to cultivating creativity that's not feeling like it originates anywhere from my throat up. It's literally just from, from a sense of like, you know? And when it's like here in my mind, that's where this like conversation and this debate and this like, mm, ah, mm, mm, and it just feels like resistance. And from the bottom, the bo like from the neck down, it just feels like, ha ha ha. Okay. And that's, and there's points in my life that I can pinpoint that that's how I have continued to like land in those places to feel creative. But that creativity has always come out, come out in prior tattooing and skateboarding. You know, if I'm up in my head skateboarding, I fucking hurt myself every single time no matter what as soon as i'm in my body boom i actually have fun and i'm in it and i'm doing it and i also probably hurt myself but i skate well and it's like rewarding and it's like i'm embodied you know and i'm i'm not dysphoric i'm not I'm, my body feels clean you know i'm not feeling dysphoria and in my head i feel there's no conversation and it's usually this little it's not even a particular song but i like hum and i'm like mm -hmm. and then i know and i notice that i'm humming and i'm like ah okay like this is that feeling, this is that like sense of being present. And that's where like the most important influence creatively as a kid visibly was the records of my parents and yes. the music that was on them. So that's really where my creativity has come from. But if I think about the origins of like, let alone pattern, it's like, <laughs> McKelly once said like, I think it's so crazy what Brody can do because all it is is like, two intersecting lines like how how simple or you know like you said it, it was a, it was meant to be a compliment but it came it was or when or when i told you i i thought you were doing patterns because you cannot draw yeah 
and then realized that you, you tattooed whatever around the world that it was just me having no idea about this. Oh, but that's very valid, you know, like, and I mean, like, maybe for me, creative, like, there's these phases of creativity. There's like being a kid and being influenced by your environment, my environment. Because um, I mean, like, a tree does this. Every tree goes up. Every tree, I'm from a place where it's in the north, it's like here, but we have less coniferous trees. We have more, we have more coniferous trees, less deciduous trees. So the trees are always these Christmas tree things. You know, mm-hmm. like if I, if I were to objectively look at the things that I do, they're balanced, they're symmetrical, and they have like a structure, there's a backbone. Everything comes from nature. Like how could we, if I honestly ask myself, where is this shit coming from? It's like, well... I'm channeling it through my body, but I, eyeballs have seen the world around me since whatever I'm 42, you know, like cognizance and like um, the sense doors pull in and retain. And if I feel good about something, I retain it probably equally as uh, strongly as the negative things, you know, and to be able to be like in that moment where that shit comes out, the negative and the positive has to be a sense of safety. So the, environment like with the cultivation of of, of space is essentially yes. that or the opposite like being at mckelly's and sleeping on top of the loft which of course is comfortable and lovely but you know what i mean like being really uncomfortable or being really comfortable and now I, I really opt for i always opt for the like super comfortable and not engaging in the world as a tattooing traveler person mm-hmm. vagabond gypsy type person you know and uh it's like, so then how, you know, if I say I was influenced by drugs, I really was because I fucking did drugs every day for a decade. As mm-hmm. much drugs, I didn't even sleep. I barely slept for 10 years, you know? Yeah. And the subconscious is triggered by that, let alone by fatigue, but also by what was coming up, what's naturally in our bodies, you know? And it is also, it's I mean, there. also very destroying, but it is also a training for the brain. And totally. then in case without the substance itself, you can reproduce. It's like visualization, you know? Yeah. Like that triggers the inner... But know? in fact, I was wondering, like, if this is more... Yeah, that's do question. you see those images before? No. Drawing them? Okay. I just pen the paper. And that's what's so nice about these, because... I can't pen, I can't, like, Michele's like, okay, you know, there's this whole world of Michele where there's no drawing even on the, on the body, mm-hmm. and I still haven't, I'm not, I don't think that, I think, it, mm. you're too, too, so, like, you're I'm a Libra, very deep, yeah, but uh, you're very, it's different identities, it's completely different identities, and, Michele's personality really comes out in the tattooing, probably, yeah, I think so, but, I like also your um, this research you open. Yeah, color. Recently, color, colors and also scale. I really yeah, and I really like also the the big ones. Yeah, those are the fun ones. And you seem to big We will see wall. them at an exhibition sooner or later. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about over <laughs> the years is like how important what it how you present things and why mm. you know and we're in this over we're hyper hyper capitalism post post everything you know we're almost post internet you know Mm -hmm. and we're all essentially post instagram too like it's now just like 
I believe it's like Let's this. Be. <laughs> yeah, it's like a join Mastodon. <laughs> yeah, I still have it open on my phone. And I, I know. I tried it once and I didn't get it, and I still have it. I still have it. I mean, for the work you need Instagram still, but join Mastodon. <laughs> yeah, really though. I mean, of course you're the first person to tell me about it. I think that's so interesting. It's like how coming from being a kid and being in. Because tattooing has been something from I was in like grade 8 or something. It was like 1995. Maybe it was grade 10, 1995. And I, it was shown to me and I had the person that was like opened the door, you know? And then I was allowed to be in the door and be present and be there. And, uh, and not in just like a biker shop, but in like the best shop in mm-hmm. that part of the country. <clears throat> which was Canada, which is a big country, but not that, you know, it was still very much developing in the tattoo world. But this, uh, it's like how, how I was conditioned to be like, this is how you have to do it, which is you have to have an apprenticeship. You should probably have gone to art school first as well. And also you need to, wow. but that's, that's just, just, just the patriarchy. And that's like the systematic oppression of people who are, for one, non-normative, and two, without as much privilege to be able to access that, you know? Yeah, sure, and, sure. Um, and it just perpetuates... Mm. Sorry, Puka. Someone, did, someone convinced me to take packages, so it's somebody from next door wanting their packages. Ah, okay. So this is, this is the end. <laughs> I'm like, no. That's okay. They, they don't need their packages. <laughs> you know, I think that that's what's so interesting is about like timelines and being like, oh, there was like this major step where like I was influenced by the mid 90s tattooing, desperately wanting to be tattooed, but being too young, you mm-hmm. know, but still being able to give them uh, or like they were giving me the influence and the open door, but I wasn't allowed to actually harness the, you know, I was drawing tattoos like since the mid 90s, I've been drawing, yeah, drawing tattoos. But these tattoos I mean, were the <laughs> of the time, you know, they're of that, they're of the being influenced by like modern primitives. So everybody that was in there. So, uh, Leo Zuloeta and like what became this, this like nineties, beautiful reinterpretation of, of like Polynesian tattooing or like, see, okay. like yeah. the, the whole world of like the s- Southeast Asia and how forms could fit the body that weren't just like there weren't stickers on the body maybe it's time yes okay (laughs) thank you so much dude it's it's been a treat thank (laughs) you